All right. Welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest, to another episode, another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy drive, joining you here from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Seth Askelson, from over in North Phoenix, Arizona. We are past the Mother's Day, but we are still in, by my count, Seth, n- week nine of this uh what do we call it now? Quarantine, um, governor's order to stay inside, and we can call it almost anything, but how are you doing? Sorry, Scott, can you repeat like the last four words that I accidentally knocked my <laughs> headphones right off my head as you were finishing your question? I, I do a lot like that. I, I have that effect on a lot of people. So I was just saying, how are you doing? It's, uh, it's week nine of this quarantine or or uh, stay inside order or whatever we want to call this COVID-19 pandemic that we're involved in. So how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where you just continue to try and stay safe and social distance. And, you know, when you're going out that you just make sure to maintain your distance. And um, obviously sports leagues are starting to, Consider getting back. The UFC had their pay-per-view this last Saturday. Baseball's owners have approved a uh, basically revamp and a shortened baseball season that has to be approved by the players, which uh, that's really the biggest factor, right? And I think what the MLB does is going to set the precedent for, I think, what the NHL does. But again, the NHL is different. When it comes to hockey, you don't just lay down a wooden court or you don't just put bases in on a grass field. You got to make ice and it's expensive to keep ice running. And um, so, yeah, I I think the NHL's fate is kind of, at least for this season, where the MLB, you know, what the MLB does and, and what they go for um, if the players accept the deal. Uh, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what's next, what's next for the NHL. I mean, obviously we saw the American hockey league season, uh, canceled today so um obviously the nhl on a bigger bigger scale and, and a lot more at stake in terms of what you lose when canceling a season but you got to feel that the nhl might you know be feeling the pressure that you're seeing leagues falling and you know the league just underneath them decided to close up shop for the rest of the season so you got to think the nhl isn't going to last in terms of at least not coming out and saying what a contingency plan is for the next uh, two to three weeks. Well, I think you uh, hit it right on the head right there with the AHL announcing today that they would not complete this season. They were going to look forward to next season. Um, the NHL has yet to make a decision. We're going to have a great guest on tonight. We've got Craig Morgan from the Athletic Arizona on board with us. And uh, if there's anybody that's inside the uh, – the NHL in Arizona, I don't know who it is more than Craig Morgan. So it's going to be a lot of fun to have him on and just uh, get his thoughts and feelings. It's a, it's a different time for all of us, but certainly for Craig, who's there day in and day out, and, and his whole livelihood revolves around the Coyotes and what they do, uh, it's going to be interesting to talk to him. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, another thing that happened, though, uh, Seth, today was Jack Dugan, um, the uh, one of the top picks in the draft uh, a year or two ago for the uh, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights has agreed to uh, a contract. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, 
that that's a big thing. And part of the deal that I saw is he hasn't signed the contract yet, and he would like the contract to start this year, the NHL part of it, to start this season if they resume. So that jockeying that you've been talking about, the money part of things, it's all coming in now. Players are thinking about it. They're thinking about service time. They're thinking about dollars and cents. They're thinking about where they fit in projected lineups. Um, so there's so many things to think about. I had a guy ask me today, you know, what's going to happen with the Coyotes and Taylor Hall? Is, are they going to get their draft pick this year, next year? What's going to happen with that? I'm going like, you know, I don't know, and I'm glad I don't have to know or try to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, is that one of those things? I, <clears throat> I don't know if you're going to convince teams, especially a team like the New Jersey Devils, like the San Jose Sharks, who are trying to build through the draft. I guess the Devils, you know, more than the Sharks per se, but um, is are the Sharks who traded their first-round pick away, which is more than likely going to be a lottery pick and maybe even top 10, top five, depending on how that goes going to be willing to say, yeah, we'll give Tampa Bay their first round pick back and just kind of bite the bullet on a first round pick. Right. Like, you know, if, if you're going to be saying, Oh, these trades are null and void, we got to send those players back to their teams. Right. Like if they say, Oh, well the New Jersey devils <clears throat> don't get the coyotes first pick because the season didn't end. Well, did the, you know, did they trade Taylor Hall for nothing? Like that's, that's where you're just going to start getting into some sticky situations <laughs> yeah. where, okay. So, you know, again, obviously Craig Morgan's going to have a better insight on this, but say, you know, they say all these trades are no one void and everybody gets their contracts back. Well, you know, Taylor Hall goes back to New Jersey and he's still a free agent. So now the devils don't get anything because he'll walk. Right. Like you, <clears throat> I don't know. You're Again, no, no solution is going to be satisfactory to everybody. And particularly, I have a feeling that whatever the solution is, it isn't going to be very favorable to the teams that, are contenders and teams that really bought in at the trade deadline. Yeah. And we know what the, what the coyote situation was. I was just looking at their, uh, their website before we came on tonight and, you know, it's still frozen at uh, postponed Thursday, March 12th. Here we are uh, nearly what April, May, we're nearly two full months away from, from then um, as it's May 11th right now. So it, it's craziness, right? I mean, who would have ever thought that this would happen? Who would have thought that it would end like this and, and leave us up in the air like it has? But uh, back on the Dugan part of it, you know, the interesting part about that is, you know, had the season progressed, we don't know where Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, as, as uh, Jesse Granger told us last week, we don't know where those guys would have been in their recovery. But if the season starts up in a month, now we know where they are, right? They're 100% healthy. So what does that do to a guy like Jack Dugan, who's coming in from college trying to get a lineup spot? There may not be one because everybody that was there in that Vegas Golden Knights roster anyway will, will be healthy again. Right, and especially up front, right? When you think about the Vegas Golden Knights, I think their top forwards, particularly their top six, are really good. And they have some really good bottom six guys too and middle six guys a guy like Chandler Stevenson who came in and made an immediate impact. And, uh, you know, some of those guys just lower, lower in the forward group. Like you're going to tell those guys, sorry, you know, we got this fresh young college kid, you know, I know you worked your butt off all season and got us to where we're at, but you know, now we're going to 
go with this young college kid. And again, is a coach like Pete DeBoer, an experienced coach with a team that more than likely if the season starts up, you know, no matter how they decide to do it, the Knights are going to be in the playoffs, the Golden Knights are going to be in the playoffs. Is he going to sit a guy who's had even a slight bit more NHL experience for a guy who hasn't played in the NHL at all in a situation where you might be one and done or, you know, best of three series. Like when hockey resumes, it's not like the regular playoffs where you lose game one. You say, okay, we'll recover. Especially in some of those earlier rounds, you might have one chance, two chances to get it right. Right. You know, that just brings a question is, is, are, is Pete DeBoer, a guy who's led two teams to Stanley Cup Finals, going to choose experience over, you know, maybe some youth, more youthful legs? Who knows? Well, you know, Seth, as you and I talk about every week when we're on here, there's such a dis- difference between what's going on in Vegas and what's going on in Arizona. Uh, Arizona obviously has been around a lot longer as a franchise but they had new ownership coming in, right? They were turning things around. They had a new vibe. It was rally the valley. It was draw fan support. It was sign a free agent or make a trade for a guy like Taylor Hall and maybe sign him as a free agent to, after this season. And and all this upside going on here. But then from the Vegas Knights perspective, they're just bought a franchise, an AHL franchise. They're in the whole process of not only naming the franchise, but showing a logo and, building everything up to play in the Orleans arena for a couple of years where their facility gets built specifically for this franchise. Um, you know, the, the thing that came out of Vegas today was the San Antonio Rampage have played their last game. And uh, that happened, what, March 11th or 10th or 9th or sometime back then. All of a sudden it's all done in San Antonio and it's now focused on Vegas. But yet we don't have a, a name. We don't have uh, a head coach. We don't – we have no idea what direction they're going to go. And, you know, you got to get that all worked out and planned out over the summer months if you're even going to start a season um, next year on time and, and in order. And we don't know any of that. Right. And the big thing with that is some of these franchises, particularly Vegas, are going to start putting the pressure on that, right? Like, hey, we got to figure out what we're doing at the AHL level with our player development and who's our head coach and what's our business plan and, you know, how do we need to market? Like for Vegas, I feel like they're going to be on the forefront of let's, we need to solve now. Like they might not be the ones that say, Oh, let's get back that push that necessarily push. Let's get back to playing. But they're good. I definitely feel like they're going to be the ones that push. Look, tell us what we're doing so we can make our plans. I think Seattle to a lesser extent is kind of in that boat because they got to release their team names soon. They got to, they kind of got to figure out what they're going to do at head coach and, you know, some of these different levels of their organization. And you got to think Seattle might pick up one or two, whether it be scouts, assistant coaches, head coaches that get fired or don't end up getting resigned, whatever the case may be that they hit the, the free agent market, so to say, for those different jobs. Like you got to think Seattle is going to jump right in there and and hire those people if if they can. So uh, yeah, there's a lot, you know, Vegas again is a team that I can really think of off the bat in terms of business decisions, whether they're going to get things done or not. 
you know, what direction they need to go. How should they start planning for next year? So, um, yeah, I think Vegas is, is one of those teams that's really in a tight spot here because they're, and it's not that they're, you know, creating necessarily their uh, brand new franchise from scratch. They're bringing over a team from San Antonio so that, you know, there's some um, things involved with that as well. So, yeah, I think Vegas is going to be at the forefront of trying to figure out what what's next and, and how they should go about the business side of, of operations. And then when you talk about the Arizona side of things, like I just mentioned, Alex Morello jumped into this. He, he's a new owner now, the majority owner. He's put a lot of money into it, but he also has other business interests, which I'm sure are, are suffering at least some, um, you know, and, and, and how does he look at this whole situation? I was like, gosh, you know, what do we have to do in, uh, in Arizona to have a little success here and a break or two go our way? Because things, um, you know, you think you've turned a corner and now all of a sudden you have this obstacle, and I'm not saying it's a permanent obstacle by any stretch, but it certainly can't help when you're, uh, when you're trying to rebuild and you have a pause in your season the way this has gone. So, you know, those are all things that uh, we hope will get worked out sooner rather than later. But my whole point on this, Seth, is with the AHL dropping um, their season and calling it a halt and, and getting ready to move on, I just wonder when that drop dead date, if you will, for the NHL is and, and what they're thinking. Because as I've said before on the podcast, is that if personally now, I, I, you know, in March, first part of April, I wanted to see it resume. But the way things have gone and now we're, you know, into the middle of May, uh, I think it's best just to refocus, um, try to call this season an unfortunate end, and then try to rebuild everything including your draft situation and, and your rookie camps and your plan for next year to really make it a huge success. And, you know, I, I just hope that happens. But then again, that's, uh, that's my hope, and I'm not the guy that's uh, driving the, the work on this. You're right. And I think that there's a lot of teams are, again, I hate to beat on this dead horse, but are going to start asking about business operations. Right, again, we've talked about Vegas. But the Coyotes, right? They got to start making plans for, okay, we're going to have this money to sign Taylor Hall, right? You can have the salary cap space all you want. Do you have the physical cash to pay out that contract? Like they, they got to start figuring that out too. So, uh, well, and and here's the thing, yeah, you make you make your cash off advertisers. So right now, that your whole advertising marketing climate is in upheaval. I mean, trust me, from my end of it too, uh, on on the. the website side of things, you just don't know where to turn or who you're going to have or who you can count on to be, be, you know, along with you in the marketing side of it, because nobody knows what their business is going to do. So, so many crazy things going on. Let's take a quick break, Seth. Let's uh, give a couple of uh, words in from our sponsor and hopefully we'll have Craig uh, join us in just a minute. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill, pregame like a pro, postgame like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. 
and if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long workday. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. We find your prime with M-Drive. All right. Scott Strandy back with you in Scottsdale, Arizona, along with my co-host Seth Askelson in uh, North Phoenix, Arizona. Seth, um, well, if you wait for, uh, for Craig to come on board with us, uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about the, the way the hockey season sits right now. But let's just revisit before Craig jumps on with us, and, and let's just talk about where things stood. Maybe people just don't remember us. Remember us. Uh, you know what? I think we have Craig on board. So uh, let's, let's, without further ado, introduce our special guest from the Athletic Arizona, Craig Morgan. Craig, you got Scott and Seth with you tonight. Thanks for joining us. And first of all, how are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How are you guys doing? Uh, about as good as can be expected, Craig. I mean, uh, Seth and I were just talking about uh, how abruptly the hockey season and the entire world came to a pause, if you will, 
Um, I'm looking at the, the Coyotes website right now, and all I can see is Thursday, March 12th, and, and what a day that was supposed to be with the Vancouver Canucks coming to town. And So just give us a little rundown about what your life has been like since March 11th or 12th. <laughs> well, I, I was on that last road trip, but we came back from Winnipeg after that just crushing defeat to the Jets. And I had a sense that something was coming. There was a lot of chatter. And, of course, the, the following day, the NBA decided to pull the plug. And uh, there was a lot of talk with the NHL. They actually had a call with all of the uh, governors that night. And I had a sense something was coming. They made the decision not to do it that night. But the following day, obviously, they pulled the plug. Ever since then, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, my, my wife teaches at ASU, and she's been teaching online. My kids rolled right into online learning, and they're now in their last week of classes. But I have been trying to come up with story ideas for the past two months. Uh, it, it actually hasn't been as difficult as it sounds. There's, there's a lot to write about. And, of course, I'm diving into this 2012 playoff run that the Coyotes went on. Uh, it's been fun reliving that with the players, the coaches, and the executives. But, obviously, we're, it, it's not the same as being there. I miss covering the team. I miss covering the NHL. And, look, I think we're all hoping that we can get back to normal coverage at some point soon, provided it's safe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I, or Seth and I both had uh, your your cohort from Vegas, Jesse Granger, on with us last week, and we were getting the perspective of, of things up in Vegas. And as I as I told Seth, I said it, it's really kind of weird because Vegas has this this different feel than Arizona, but yet they're both going towards the same direction. I think just at a different pace. I mean. Vegas is all in. They're building rinks. They're they're doing this. They're doing that. They're moving an AHL franchise to to Henderson, and the Coyotes get a brand new owner in Alex Morello. So, what do you think's going through, or what do you know is going through Alex Morello's head right now when you just bought a team and you see Rally the Valley and you see all these things going on? What's that like for an owner? You have any idea? Well, I, I can't believe that the last couple of months have been a lot of fun for Alex Morello. Uh, not only did the team uh, struggle a bit and fall from first place to out of the, the traditional playoff format, but you know, since uh, the shutdown, since the pause, as they're calling it, um, I know that really all of his businesses have taken a real hit. He's, he's not in great industries to uh, weather this well, I would say that. Uh, he owns a couple of casinos, as you guys probably know. Um, he's in the media industry. He's he's in the sports industry. <laughs> None of these things, and, and and food as well. None of these things are doing well right now. So it, it's been really tough on him, and he's got to be wondering what what the heck did I sign up for here? What's going on? I, I buy this hockey team, and and things have gone south here pretty quickly. Absolutely, Seth. You got yeah, a question Craig, for Craig? Uh, yeah, sorry, Craig. Uh, hope you're doing well, and and you and your family are doing well. From a business perspective, because I feel like we really touch on that, Scott and I do, pretty much every week. From a business perspective, have you heard anything from the Coyotes on how this affects things uh, like employee pay? Um, I know during the full season lockout back in 2004, 2005, there's a lot of uh, team – I mean, this was league-wide, but a lot of team employees released. Um, is there any talk that uh, the longer this goes on, maybe we see something league-wide like we did with the last full season lockout where – some staffs are really going to be trimmed, whether it be front office or coaching staff. Well, there, there hasn't been discussion of that yet. As you guys probably know, the Coyotes laid off 50% of their staff uh, a while back. Um, I think it was April 15th was the actual date. Uh, they're still paying their, their health care. 
But, you know, I, I think the answer to that question probably depends on how we come out of this. What does it look like? There's so many unknowns, so many variables right now that I, I think really both the league and the teams are probably forecasting with multiple scenarios in mind. And I, again, I don't think you can really answer that question right now, but obviously the longer this goes, the, the bigger the hit it's going to be. And if, if the NHL also decides that there's no practical way to come back and start the regular season, then you're talking about lost revenue there as well. That's going to impact the bottom line. So many things to consider right now. It's just, it's impossible to say right now. You know, Craig, when we talk player safety and we talk about safety in general for the general public and everybody else, and I know that's first and foremost in everybody's head, but do you see a viable way that, that you know, and we had this discussion in the last couple of weeks too on the show, is um, it, do you see a viable way where you can really bring just teams and essential personnel in and, and play games? Do you think that would actually be something that's, that's feasible or is that just kind of a, a long shot hope? Well, I still wonder, I still have a lot of questions. And look, there's no perfect scenario here, right? This is, this is unprecedented time. Um, but I do wonder, how, how do you bring the players all together? How do you bring these staffs all together and worry about, not worry about transmission there? You can say, well, we're going to be testing all the time. But what happens when that first positive test comes out? Do you shut it all down again? I mean, that's, that's one consideration. And then when, you, when you're talking about these hub city for, this hub city format that they might do, Again, one of many possibilities being discussed. Are you really going to sequester t- uh, players and staffs away from their families for one month, two months, three months, however long they go in the playoffs? Are players really going to be on board with that as well? It's really not fair to these families to expect that at this point. So those are just two of many considerations that I have or, or many concerns that I have with it. Whether it's feasible, I, I mean, I, I think there are some things that they can do to – to limit the risk. But again, I, I don't know how you mitigate or how, how you eliminate risk entirely. And I don't know how you solve some of those other problems. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, Craig, I threw you... this out there as well, uh, Craig, last week. Sorry, Seth. I have one more here for Craig, but I threw this out uh, to Jesse last week. I said, if, if Vegas for, for example, were to be the site, obviously the hotels are there and all those things are there, but you've been around this league long enough to know how the fans react, right? If you tell the fans that they can't come into the stadium, but they know that say perhaps the entire Pacific division is housed in Vegas and you know, that Plaza outside in Vegas and the strip, how are you going to control the fans outside? I mean, that would have to be just an enormous job. I would think uh, for security because you see what's happened. I mean, people got restless, uh, the first part of this month and wanted to get out and get back to normal. And they started storming, you know, uh, capitals and everywhere else, governor's offices. Uh, I just don't know how that would work. Have you thought about that part of it at all? Yeah, I have. I've talked to it actually with a couple of people. And you're right. You'd have to have a massive security detail as well. And let's, let's talk about the optics of that for a moment too. Right. Where you, where, right? You're going to, you're going to like sequester the players and then have them walk past and then like massive security saying, no, you can't get anywhere near that. It, it, it feels bizarre. It's not the right message to send. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just another thing that they have to think about. And uh, it, with these hub cities too, uh, it's funny how that stuff seems to just, everything seems to change daily, the things that you're hearing. And I think that's only, partly because we only get bits and pieces of what's coming out of these meetings. You know, I, I, I talked to a couple of players who told me, oh yeah, they're definitely hearing that Vegas was going to be the place. And then 
Then it changed. No, 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 you're not going to Vegas. It's going to be Edmonton. And I know both those cities are in consideration. I wrote this story with a couple other writers at The Athletic, but it, it does seem like <laughs> the opinions and the ideas change on a daily basis. Seth, go ahead with your question. So, Craig, when it comes to, say, teams that traded draft picks away, the Coyotes, uh, Tampa Bay to get Barclay Goodrow, if the season is to end up being canceled, I don't know if there's a solution when it comes to like those contracts and those draft picks that's going to make everybody happy. But are you sensing or are you maybe hearing that, you know, if the season doesn't continue and those contenders that bought in and, and spent high draft picks to get uh, quote unquote rentals, do you have a feeling that they might start asking for those draft picks back since they didn't really get the season with them? And do you think players' contracts are not going to um, advance a year? Like like the MLB said, like this pandemic won't affect service time and contract years. Again, I, 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 I would say that none of that's determined at this point. I do think that some teams would want those picks back. And that's part of the reason I think the league has asked the teams to sort of try and work through some of these issues themselves when it comes to uh, conditional picks, things like that. But you know you're going to have uh, certain instances where there are going to be impasses, and then the league is going to have to step in. So it, <laughs> it's just that's, that's another fascinating aspect of this. And when you look at the Coyotes, by the way, I, I was looking at this today as I was starting to uh, preview a draft that I assume we'll have at some point, although <laughs> it, 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 you know, I'm hearing less and less likely now that it's going to be in June. It's just crazy. Um, they don't have the first-round pick, of course. They traded it to New Jersey, but it is top three protected. So first of all, it, you, you know the conditions on that. So if you don't have a playoff, how does that work out? Um, if the Coyotes were to <laughs> I, I, if, if the Coyotes were to win the lottery, obviously they, they, they could end up keeping that pick. But is the league going to put stipulations? Are they going to change the draft lottery format to make sure that teams can't move up that high? Or are they going to expand the playoff format and say all the teams that are in the playoffs can't can't be eligible for the draft lottery? There's so many things to consider just with the Coyotes' first-round pick, and then, then you can start diving into the rest. They have a second-round pick in this year's draft, but there's been rumors that they might lose that pick as punishment for uh, fitness testing draft-eligible players before the combine last year. So the, the Coyotes' draft situation right now, there is so much to consider. There are so many different scenarios to play out. I feel like I should have that that app from tank tankathon and just run simulations all day long to see what comes up. You know, Jesse told us last week that uh, when we had him on last Monday, that he was working on salary caps, trying to forecast salary caps. And he was going like, ah, all I see is dollar signs and none of them make sense. (laughs) I'm guessing you're seeing the same thing from your end. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the coyotes are in a tough situation anyway. They're bumping up against the cap as it is. And if they want to resign Taylor Hall, we know they're going to have to move some money out. They have some veterans, multiple veterans, actually going into the final years of their deals. Are they going to be able to move those guys? Are they going to try and get back in the draft to move those guys? Is it even going to be feasible to move those guys if we have the draft early and you can't have trades because the season's still ongoing? That really adds a, a wrinkle to uh, general managers' plans for the future if you don't have trades on the table uh, at the draft. Absolutely, Seth. You got another one? Yeah. I, um, when it comes to the Coyotes, I guess, getting back in the first round, right? like back to the, the hockey side of things, I know, like you said, it's going to be difficult maybe just depending on how they go about finishing the season, axing the season, et cetera. But prior to all this happening, 
What were your thoughts and, and your feelings as the team kind of slid down the standings? Obviously, still had a chance, but was there a feeling that maybe they wanted to try and get back into the first round come the summertime, try to move some of those veteran contracts? I know um, a guy like Galagoski still has a couple more years on his deal that could free up some cap space. Um, was there any kind of talk that the, even if they made the playoffs or not, that they would try to get back into the first round? I'm sure they'd like to get back into the first round. I just I don't know if the assets that they have are going to bring a first round pick. When you're talking about those veteran players in particular, are you really going to be able to trade them for a first round pick at this point? Because you really the other team is doing you a, a favor in a sense to free up some cash if you want to sign Taylor Hall. Um, so I, I you know I, I don't know. I, I'm sure they'd love to have a first round pick, but it's going to be a difficult thing to do. I think the more important thing for them is to be able to free up some cash. They're going to have to do that. Look, and there's no guarantee Taylor Hall resigns here, right? He could end up somewhere else. But I still think that they need to uh, improve this roster in certain ways. And I think it's no secret what, what those ways are. They're still lacking that elite number one centerman. I don't, I don't know that you find that anywhere in the draft. But they're still also lacking finishers. They're not scoring enough. They were even producing chances over the last 10 games when they were still sliding. But they just couldn't finish. And that's that, that was their Achilles heel in my mind, aside from – Darcy Kemper's injury. Craig, we know that the, the AHL has put um, an end to their season, but when you think about the players that are trying to work their way into the lineup for the future and the draft picks and guys like that, and, and Tucson was having a fantastic season before this all came to a halt, but how do those players, do you think, look at this situation and, and their careers? Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting question because – when, when you look at the cap situation, if, if, the, if the cap is going to stay stagnant and the Coyotes have to shed salary, they may have to go that route and, and bring some of those players into the fold. When you look at Tucson, I mean, other than, other than really the goaltending situation down there with Aiden Hill and Ivan Prosvetov, they don't have elite prospects in Tucson. Really, the forwards that you're talking about that are down there, a number of guys are, are probably capable of filling depth roles and nothing more, and then probably Kyle Capobianco on, on defense as well. They're, they're all really sort of depth players rather than impact players. But that may come into play if, if they're in a cap crunch and they need to shed some salary and, and go with cheaper players. So those players, you know, Braden Burke, uh, uh, Lane Peterson, there are a number of guys down there, Bo Bennett, a number of those guys could get a shot in that situation. Seth, you got more? Craig, more? Uh, looking at <laughs> Yeah, looking at your tweets, um, like you said, you were going through the 2012 season for the Coyotes and how magical that run was. Scott and I kind of bantered about this about a week or two ago, but that time when the Coyotes were in, in real trouble when it came to relocation was the years they really stepped up and made the play at the 2009 to 2010 season through 2011-2012. Do you think that their success, you know, making the playoffs, going deep the one year, going to seven games with a dominant Red Wings team, you think that success in the middle of all of that, the relocation rumors and city council meetings and different guys coming in happening, that that kind of saved hockey in Arizona in a sense? I definitely think it played a major role, without a doubt. Um, if, the, if this team is staggering and they're losing even greater money, that, that probably doesn't help them. Um, yeah, they, I, I'm, I'm amazed at the way they were able to circle the wagons with all of that swirling around them. I, I mean, I remember covering the team uh, in two separate seasons where we had reporters from two Canadian cities. One time it was Quebec, one time it was Winnipeg, and they were both convinced, both, both groups were convinced that the Coyotes were coming there. 
the amusing thing to me as someone who's covered this team for a long time is there was never a chance the Coyotes were going to either one of those cities. They were actually very close to going to Portland a couple times. That almost happened, but they, they never went to Canada. They were never going to Canada. And I was told that by very credible sources. But the fact that they could just push all of that to the side, the fact that they could make the moves they could make, Don Maloney as a general manager then, under a, that sort of budget, a tight budget, and still field a playoff team, a team that, that had some real success. I know they couldn't get out of the first round those first couple of seasons, but they had some good seasons with rosters where you look at it and you said, how the heck are they doing this? It was, it was a marvel to watch. I really enjoyed covering those seasons. And, and to get back to your question in a roundabout way, yeah, I absolutely believe that those three seasons helped save hockey in Arizona. You know, uh, and Craig, also, before you came on, we were talking about, you know, not only Alex Morello, but the job that Aaron Cohen's done in, in regrouping everything and, and kind of eliminating the, the arena talk and focusing more on grassroots and all that good stuff. And what a fantastic job he's done on that. But when you look at it from, what, eight, nine weeks away now from, from actually playing meaningful games, um, how is that going to affect things as far as the fans go? Do you think fans are going to be just starved to get back at it full bore? And, and on that same token, we talk about marketing, right? I mean, it's no secret that, that teams get their money from TV revenue and from marketing dollars. And when you don't know what your marketing climate's like, goodness yeah. gracious, that's got to be a tough job. It absolutely is a tough job. And as far as the fans, I, I sort of believe that sports fans always come back. It may take them a little longer in some instances, but I believe they always come back. I, this has been a pretty loyal fan base, and they've, they've seen worse times than this, believe oh, it or not. Yeah, so yeah. I can see I, – I, I do think they'll come back. But in terms of the financial aspects of it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a brutal situation to manage. And really, we don't know how we're coming out of this as a nation, uh, what sort of impact this is going to have. I, it's, it's clearly going to have a dramatic impact on a lot of people. It already has. But, but what that means in the long term for this team, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. So when you look at uh, the NHL as a whole, and I know you have a chance to visit with uh, all the people at the Athletic that cover different teams, and I'm sure you have over this this time you've had off, but um, how does the NHL as a whole look? I mean, when Vegas came on and they were kind of this shot in the arm and all this, and, and everybody was excited about hockey again, and certainly in the desert southwest and the AHL thriving out here, um, how does the whole NHL look to you right now? You mean financially? Yeah, financially and just just uh, fan base wise, both of them. Well, I think the the league felt pretty good about where it was. There were obviously a, a handful of franchises that they'd like to strengthen a bit. Um, this being one of them, Florida, Carolina. There, there are a few around the league, the Islanders even, where you'd like to see them on a little stronger financial footing. But by and large, I think the league was in a good place. But if you're talking about over a billion dollars in losses from COVID-19, that, that certainly is going to have an impact. So, uh, I, again, the, the, this is having a, a big-time impact on the league. How we come out of it remains to be seen. But I, I do think that they felt, again, like they were in a pretty good place before all of this happened. And, and then don't forget Seattle's coming on board too, and that's right. going to be another right. shot in the arm for the league. Seth? Uh, that's it for me, Craig. I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, Scott and I always try to give the, the best to our Arizona listeners, but you're the, the king of Arizona reporting on hockey. So glad you made time for us and we appreciate your time for sure. 
anytime, Craig, guys. Craig, if you got a couple of minutes, I still got more for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy you know me. I, I can't shut time. up. I can't shut up. But, you know, I, I had a chance to, to sneak up to Vegas uh, a couple of Fridays. It'll be, I guess, a week and a half ago. And I, I looked at the facilities up there and I joked with uh, at different levels because we obviously cover college and ACHA as well. And I joked with them and I said, it's a joke, but it's not a joke to Chad Berman down at the University of Arizona. I said, Vegas is going to have five new ice sheets before you get one. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you think about ice sheets and the development of programs and, and just from the Coyotes' perspective, before this all happened, I'm sure they had plans to want to try to expand ice sheets uh, in the desert southwest. A- am I correct on that assumption? You're absolutely correct on that. And Tucson was, was very high on the list. I know that is something that they had eyeballed. Listen, the, the Coyotes have to uh, solve their own arena issue first, and that's part of the problem. So they have to get their own arena built. I know they'd like to have a practice facility as well, but when it comes to expanding their footprint across the state of Arizona, Tucson was on the top of the list. They, they've got to get more sheets. Well, they've got to get any sheets down there that are permanent. It, it's crazy to me that a city that size with, with a significant youth hockey program does not have any ice sheets. And then i got to get your feedback just a little bit or your thoughts on – uh, the announcement, the kind of behind-the-scenes announcement that ASU's building is finally in the works, and hopefully we're going to break ground sometime in November with the uh, 2022 fall opening date. But how much is that going to mean just to the hockey base to be able to have another five, 6,000 seats right in the heart of Tempe? Yeah, it'll be great, particularly for the university. Look, at Greg Powers, I admire <laughs> – how, how stiff an upper lip he's managed to keep playing at Oceanside Ice Arena all these years, that is without question a recruiting detriment. It kills them. Imagine pulling up and, and seeing that place, you know, with a dirt lot out front. It's a basically uh, not even a, a top-notch community arena. I, I've had some people, you know, in the NHL, when they see it say, you know, I'm sure recruits are thinking, okay, this is great, but where's your actual arena? This is a nice practice arena. It's, yeah. it's killing them in recruiting. So it'll be just a massive boost for ASU, which has already done marvelous things, of course, on the Division One front. Uh, they've, they've had more success, I think, than most people thought they would this early. But to, to play in a warm-weather climate and to have a top-notch facility, that, that would be a, a, a big recruiting boost for ASU. And then kind of as a follow-up to that, when you think Coyotes hockey and Arizona State hockey, I know the two are kind of intertwined because they kind of lean on each other a little bit. And uh, – and I know Aaron's thoughts on, on uh, how much he loves Arizona State hockey, but how important are the success of both those programs to the general hockey base down here? Oh, I definitely think they, they, they fuel it without question. Uh, look, their, their pre- mere presence, I think, helps in and of itself. We've already seen how much the Coyotes' presence has meant to youth hockey here with the, with the growth of a, really programs that didn't exist at all before they arrived. But to have success, you know, that, that – catches a lot more eyes and that gets a lot more interest in the sport itself. You'll probably get kids playing more and more if your team is successful. So to have success on either of those fronts would certainly help. All right. Final one for you. And then I'll let you go. I promise. <laughs> when we, uh, when we look at the draft this year, a lot of people have talked about the depth of this amateur draft, how, how good it is and uh, you know, how important that is. And, just trying to figure this all out and how important that is in building, is this going to be a setback no matter how it goes or, or are they going to be able to work through this, do you think, to be able to still get that talent at the right level and get them into the NHL at the right time? You mean because of the time frame? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wonder about that too. When I, when the league makes an argument for the June draft, uh, I mean, I think that's their strongest argument. You want to get these prospects on the right development path and, and give them the proper timeline to give them the best chance to be successful early on in their NHL careers or their, I should say their pro careers. So that that's one to watch. I, I absolutely think it does matter for these kids to get in right away. So hopefully they will be able to pull off this draft as soon as possible and sort something out. But again, it, it takes a backseat to safety. We have to make sure that everything is in place to, to keep players safe from a health perspective first. Well, I certainly appreciate your time. I uh, wish nothing but the best to you and your family to stay, uh, stay healthy, stay safe. And, you know, it's really unusual because normally in the summertime when we get a chance to talk, it's usually because somebody's interrupting your uh, summer vacation. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so if you had to a summer vacation right now, you probably would be thrilled to be interrupted by having to go to hockey, huh? Yeah, I would absolutely take it at this point. Let me ask you guys one question. Of, sure. all, the for- of all the formats you guys have heard for resumption of play, which one do you like best? Seth? Um, for me, I think the 2014 playoff sounds best. You have the, you know, the single game and then the best of three, the best of five. And then once you get back, you know, you're down to 16 teams, then you do the seven game playoff format like you would normally. The only thing with that is, especially with where you're at right now in terms of the calendar, I feel like the NHL would have to do what they did in the lockout shortened season in 2012, 2013, where, you know, you finish the season in October, say, or, you know, September, October, then you get an off season, then you come back in January. So I guess it just depends on if the NHL is willing to push back next year to try and have a playoff. But to me that 2014 playoff where by the time you get to 16, you have a regular playoff sounds best to me. And mine, uh, Craig, is, is simply this. I, I think at the point we're at right now, and we've talked about this for the last two months, is there obviously must be a drop-dead date for this season with the NHL. And uh, I think if, if I were the commissioner, what I think I would do, despite the losses, is I would try to refocus on a June draft and uh, the rookie camps and getting started on time next year and just kind of put a halt. I know everybody's going to say, yeah, you can't do that. It's too much revenue. But, you know, the safety part of it, all of that, and look what the NFL did, right? I mean, who would ever guess that the NFL could have pulled off a virtual draft like they did? Yeah. And I think the uh, the NHL could do the same thing. They could make it a real exciting time and really brand themselves in the end of June. And then maybe by July, you could start to put things back together. But again, I'm not the one that's, uh, that's pocketbook is being hit with this. So kind of hard for me to say. Yeah, those are, those are really the two most feasible things that I see. Uh, if they're going to come back, I also hope it's the 2014 format. I, I wrote about this a month ago. Um, from a from a practical standpoint, you've got 12 teams in each conference that are at a uh, 500 points percentage or better. So there's a logical cutoff for it there. It's it's easy to do. Um, I would, you know, I've, I've I've heard talk about the play-in game, the one-game play-in. I'm not as big a fan of that because for for a couple reasons. It, it, yeah, it's a bit of a crapshoot, but maybe you don't care because. These teams really didn't earn a, a legitimate playoff spot anyway. But if you're trying to recoup some revenue, it, it would be nice if you could get get those teams a, a little bit more revenue by having a, a couple rounds of two of three before you get into uh, the rest of the playoff. But I, you know, that's 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 uh, minor stuff to work out. I just I just like the idea of a 2014 playoff. But I I also think that there there are a lot of practical issues that you have to worry about and maybe the most prudent thing would be just to call it at this point. 
cancel the season, regroup, come back next year strong, get your draft, get everything in place. So we'll see how it all plays out, guys. Yep. Appreciate your time as always. And uh, like I said, be safe, be safe with your family and hopefully everybody gets through their school year and, and uh, it's ready to move on to a summer and then a, a full school year next year. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right. That's Craig Morgan with the uh, athletic Arizona. We appreciate having Craig on as always. And uh, Seth, uh, let's, let's just hash over things a little bit. I mean, a lot of great things coming out of uh, the perspective from Craig, uh, just telling us how everything's going, but is that kind of what you thought you would hear? Or were there some things that you weren't sure you were going to hear? No, I think that's exactly what I was going to hear. I'm just glad it's confirmed, right? Because you and I, uh, you know, we're building our brand. We're building the Ice Time Hockey Southwest brand, whether it be podcasts or written or on the website. And it's nice to know that those who have been covering it for four, five, six times as long as I have, have the same thoughts and are hearing the same things. You know, obviously I don't have the, the close sources like Craig does, but, you know, you just – read things every day and it's good to know and, and good to see that everybody's kind of on the same page, right? Like there's not something the NHL is trying to hide in a secret layer and bust out, you know, like almost like a professional wrestling stunt. Like it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty up in the air. And um, what I am glad to hear though, is uh, he confirmed what we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how the coyotes having really good success in their most tumultuous uh, ownership times really helped them stay in Arizona. And for a guy, like you said, he was up close and personal. And, you know, everybody says the rumors, oh, they were close to Hamilton and they were close to Winnipeg. I think what surprised me the most is Craig said, no, they were close to Portland. I yeah. think when you when you heard back in that in the day when all that was happening, it, the, the big cities, Winnipeg, I mean, obviously the Winnipeg ended up getting the Thrashers. It was Hamilton, it was Quebec, and it was Seattle. To hear that Portland on more than one occasion was pretty close to being the city was very shocking because I don't think Portland gets enough talk about, you know, I think they really want an NHL team, but it's really interesting to hear from somebody that was right on the front lines of it to say Portland almost twice had an NHL team uh, in the early 10s. Yeah, absolutely. And that team that, that could have been from here. I mean, we're just so thankful that the team is still here, but uh, the thing that I keep going back to and I keep circling around to the same thought is that, you know, we talk on, on NCAA hockey and ACHA hockey, just how hockey has grown, right? And even women's hockey and girls hockey, how it's grown in the desert Southwest. And to see something like a pandemic come in and sweep things and really put a hit to uh, your major franchises, your NHLs, your AHLs, I mean that that to me is the is the saddest part of this whole pandemic because you, you look at the ACHA. I mean, every day I see uh, universities signing students that are content that they're going to play hockey this year, and uh, you know the financial losses for them aren't anything like the NHL or the AHL. So it's really strange. But um, I just don't know now. The longer this goes, I just don't know how you're going to pull out of this thing. It's starting to make me a little bit nervous, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, but in NHL, like Craig said, you know, they were really on a good financial track. Obviously, Seattle coming in, whether this season finishes or not, is going to be a good, you know, shot in the arm. But it felt like the Coyotes were on the verge of 
getting financially stable, right? Like you're like, okay, they're going to have a good year in ticket sales this year. And whether they make the playoffs or not, you feel that they're really building a brand with whether it be the Kachinas or the junior coyotes and, you know, the different family packs and the family plans that they reintroduced over the last couple of years. Like you, you really felt that the attendance was going to pick up. I mean, you and I noticed it, right? Like there was a couple of Tuesday, Thursday games that even though it was maybe a more traditional team, say the Oilers, say the Canucks, that it, it felt like there was just more people in the building period. Right. Like it just felt like, there was a lot more people interested in hockey, whether they were Coyotes fans or not, that, you know, they wanted to be in the building. They wanted to be a part of a winner. And again, with the Suns being on a downswing like they are right now, like, yeah, that's your opportunity to strike. The the Coyotes have made the playoffs twice, two more times since the Suns have made their last playoff run. And the Coyotes could do it a couple more times, you know, by the time they get back. So, um, Again, like I always say, the Coyotes have a really good opportunity here. This market loves winners. You look at it with the Cardinals. You look at it with the D-backs. When those teams win, you can't get in the door. And for the Coyotes, if they can find that consistent brand of winning, which when you think about it in the Valley, there hasn't been a consistent brand of winning. The D-backs won their World Series in 2001. By the time 2003 rolled around, they missed the playoffs. The next year, uh, Bob Brenly is fired, and Randy Johnson is out the year after that. Like within three years, a team that won the World Series was deconstructed. After the Suns, um, their seven seconds or less teams with Steve Nash and Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire. Ever since then, it's been a struggle for success. You know, the Cardinals go to the Super Bowl and they've really they've only made the playoffs three more times since they made the Super Bowl. Usually, when you see a team make the Super Bowl, it's okay they're going to go to the playoffs for the next four or five, six years. Like there hasn't been that consistent success and if the coyotes can just strike right when all these teams are down in terms of win success which again i think with the valley you always see the hashtag all you know all az and they're all supportive of each other but you've got to strike right now and in order to grab that huge market uh, especially when your direct competitor to the suns is are, are still reeling and they've been reeling for a decade yeah and i think you know one of the things that I took away from it was he when we were talking about arenas, and he said, "Oh, most definitely the uh, the Coyotes want to build more rinks. Uh, they want to take care of their rink, obviously first, but but they definitely think Tucson is is in play, and and other things are in play. They understand the need for for multiple ice surfaces, and I keep leaning back on that end of it too because you know this could be well, not could be. This is definitely going to be a setback in time, if nothing else, for." Uh, for three or four months because you can't just pick back up again, even in that process. But what I'm, what I'm so shocked at, and, and again, this leans back to the, the desert Southwest is that I see Vegas and they really haven't experienced anything. I mean, they lost a, in, in, I mean, not, let me rephrase that. They had October one and they've had some other setbacks, but they used October one to fuel their building of fan base and support and city support. And they've never had to deal with losing seasons or, you know, facility issues or practices. They seem to keep building this. And I look at Vegas right now and it's like, yeah, they're just like, it's like the off season for them, right? You don't really see anything behind the scenes about what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? It's just like, keep building your practice ranks, keep doing this, keep doing that. And from the Coyotes end of it, they hadn't gotten that foothold yet and now all of a sudden they're facing another 
a really tumultuous time because they, they got to convince all of the advertisers to spend their money again to come back on. They got to convince everybody that this, this is still going to be a viable product. And man, oh man, I just feel for Aaron Cohen so bad because he's done such a remarkable job. And so is everybody over there at rebuilding this so quickly. I just hope that this isn't uh, a major setback. Well, that was, that's what makes me so confident about this organization. You have a guy like Aaron Cohen at the helm who showed up and maybe it wasn't as big of a mess in terms of building a brand like it was 2010, 2011, but it, you know, it wasn't great. The brand was on shaky ground. Nobody wanted to come. No, you know, there wasn't a history of success. There wasn't big moves. There wasn't big names over the last 10 years outside of Shane Doan, obviously. And that's why I'm not too concerned at the moment because I know Aaron Cohen can get it done, right? And I mean, obviously, you don't want to put more work on his plate and, and discredit what he's done already. But that's if I were to pick one guy in the Valley to make sure a team doesn't lose its brand through this, it's Aaron Cohen, a guy who loves to show his face in the community. I mean, Scott, you and I, you know, as much as as much hard work as you put in into your site, you know, we're you're still growing and we're still growing the brand. And he, you know, while some CEOs might say, well, you know, you're not a major news channel and, you know, you don't get millions of views across the Valley every night. Like he was so generous and to come on and, and to build his brand. You can tell he loves what he does. So that's why I'm, I'm confident that, you know, coming out of this, yes, it's going to be a little difficult, but he is the man that I would choose. If I had to have a, have a CEO draft right now, uh, Aaron Cohen would be my number one overall. Well, I totally agree with you. Um, well, as we wrap up another edition, uh, folks, another uh, podcast, a couple things to throw out there as just reminders. The, uh, the podcast goes every Monday, professional one. The uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly is every Tuesday night. And uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly every Wednesday night. So you can uh, get your fill of hockey all the way through the summer, all through the, uh, the calendar, if you will. Uh, in addition, our podcasts are now available on, let's see, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Google Play. Uh, I believe they're coming up on iHeartRadio soon. Um, and Stitcher. So we're, we're anywhere that you look. You can find our podcasts and, and tune in. And by all means, send us some comments when you're listening. Uh, let us know what you think of it. I always get to the website as well at icetimehockeysw.com and and uh, see the photos of uh, our fantastic photographer and check out some of the blogs and videos that are available there as well as we continue to, to keep on moving on. You can search for those at ITHSW Podcast, anywhere that you get your podcasts and find us fairly easily. A lot of times it's just typing in the ITH and, and it starts to pop up. So we're excited about that. We're excited about the future. Seth, thanks again for jumping in with us. Thanks to... Uh, the, uh, the great Craig Morgan from the Arizona, the Athletic Arizona. How about that? And the great work that the people over at the Athletic do. Uh, any final comments? No, I mean, I just, we're kind of doing business as normal, right? Arizona opens up in terms of restaurants, and so it'll be interesting to see what the result is in the next two, three weeks. Um, you know, again, you hope sports comes back, but it's it's about public health and, and public safety. And look, there's been sports on television for 40, 50 years. I know uh, the NHL, they have their games from the last two years, full, you know, from the last two full seasons and playoffs. Um, you can find a plethora of classic hockey games. 
on YouTube. Uh, while the NHL probably wouldn't endorse me saying that, that's <laughs> that is the truth. Um, the NFL has their Game Pass for free until May 30th. I know uh, the NBA League Pass has something similar in terms of having their um, entire library open. So um, I know it's it feels like a long time, and but there's plenty of options out there if you want to watch sports and. I know for me, um, at a certain point during this quarantine, I found pretty much all of the Coyotes 2012 uh, playoff <laughs> games and old versions you. on YouTube. So, you know, you, you watch through those and, and relive the good times and just know that uh, there's more good times coming, especially uh, on the other end of this quarantine and, and this pandemic. All right. That's it from... Uh... Scottsdale and North Phoenix. Seth Askelton, thanks for uh, joining in. Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale. We're going to let Roger Klein and the Peacemakers take us away with a little of Hello New Day to uh, send us into a new week.